Welcome to the Startup Grind podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest startup community, inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There is no time to wait, so let's begin. This episode is brought to you by Oracle for Startups. Hey all, welcome back. This is Chris Jonu and this is the Startup Growing Global podcast. Today we have a throwback to the Startup Growing Global conference 2020, not that long ago, but so much has happened. All right, and we have Fireside Chat with Amy Pressman, co-founder of Metalia, um, which is um, customer experience software, and um, in being interviewed by John Rantham, our friend, John Rampton, CEO at Calendar.com, and they talk about industry best practices in customer experience. Incredible interview. Enjoy. Um, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing well. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about customer experience yeah. today. Um, you're the founder of Medallia. Yeah. Um, why did you start that company? So I think like probably a lot of entrepreneurs out there, I hate it when stuff doesn't work. Um, and when I see a problem, I want to fix it. So my personal problem was I was a consultant. I was traveling all the time. I went to this hotel, you know, five-star hotel in Stockholm. They didn't have enough non-smoking rooms. So I would check in on Monday. I would have to wait till Tuesday or Wednesday to get a non-smoking room. I'd check out on Friday. Front desk loved me. They would always try and move me as quickly as possible, but whoever had the power to create more non-smoking rooms um, didn't get the information, and I was just so frustrated. I wanted that information to go to the decision makers. In the meantime, I was telling friends and family, you know, go stay at other hotels. I was locked into this hotel because of the, the travel agency we were using. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I, I, I felt like we needed to make big companies as responsive to their customers as small companies. Nice. And when you were there, like, what really tipped it over the edge? When like, I was in the hotel? Yeah. Like, what made you be like, I just hate I... being in, in smoking rooms. And I yeah. was so angry. I just want, like, I don't know how many of you out there have had this experience where you just hate it so much and you're, like, trying to get something resolved. And then, and then you say, oh, screw it. I'm going to do it myself. If this doesn't exist, I want to do it myself. So I was just so frustrated. Yeah. Who, who else has been in that situation? Well, not the smoking rooms. I don't <laughs> enjoy smoking rooms either. But, um, you know, in a situation, I mean, why did you start your startups? Like, why are you guys even here? Um, I, I feel like customer experience is so much about, like, the problems that we as founders have and yeah. solving those. Yeah. And it sounds like you took that to heart. Yeah. Um, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about the beginning days. Like, you started this to solve that problem. Yeah. Tell me about a little bit about how you started that. Yeah, well, because the original pain point came from hospitality, we focused on hotels. So we actually um, went and pitched a free pilot to Hilton. Um, and we came back, and the next day was 9-11. 
And that was like obviously catastrophic on so many levels, but we wondered, you know, whether we were going to be able to even have a company because there was going to be no funding available and the hotel companies, you know, were really struggling post 9-11 and it turned out to be a, a really good opportunity to us, for us ironically, because yeah. um, there became, you know, newfound passion and how do we really connect with our guests and understand what they need in this time where they're traveling less. Yeah. So. When, when these entrepreneurs in the room are all starting startups, um, they're in very similar situations where there's something that bugs them or they see a need. Yeah. And you saw that need, you started a company. By the way, her company has been enormously successful. Uh, you went public last June. July. July, yeah. last July, and congratulations. Thank you. Like, it's been, I, it sounds like a really fun ride. <laughs> uh, an overnight success, yeah, exactly. as they say. There's a lot of jokes about the overnight success. Yes, how long ago did you start this? <laughs> we started in 2001. 2001, so definitely <laughs> yeah. an overnight success. Yes, a labor of love. Yes. Yes. So, uh, tell me about your first customer. It was, uh, um, yeah, our first customer... Uh, our free customer was Hilton. Our first paid customer was Wyndham Hotels. And how crucial was that in the beginning? Tell me about that experience on how you brought them on and what went into that? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, we're really passionate about customer experience, but because of when we started, we couldn't really raise funds. So, you know, our customers were truly our lifeline in a way that, um, you know, was somewhat uncommon, like they were, they were funding us. So, you know, we were almost co-developing this product and really, really listening to the pain points of our customers um, as we built it. So, yeah. Now, uh, a lot of the startup founders in here obviously starting things. What mistakes do you see founders making over and over and over that's detrimental to their business? So, I mean, I've made a ton of mistakes. I'm sure all of you have made a ton of mistakes. But the only mistake that I think you shouldn't repeat is um, there's this tendency, you know, as you go into, as certainly for me, as we started to grow and you, you, you're constantly facing new challenges, the one time where I really regret what I did is when I deferred to someone who had more experience and I sort of suspended my judgment. Um, I think you should be talking to as many people as possible. I think you should be soliciting as many expert opinions as possible. But when it's all said and done, you listen to all of it and you still make your own call. And whenever, like, my gut was telling me one thing, but I said, oh, but they have so much more experience, that's when I made a decision that I generally regretted. And even when you make a decision, you know, you know, on your own, using your own judgment, and you make, and you turn, it turns out to be a mistake. That's a beautiful learning because you have owned that learning in a different way than when you sort of defer to someone else and take their experience. So yeah. I, that would be my one thing: just always, at the end of the day, defer to your own judgment. Yeah. Now, when in an organization, as an organization grows, I mean, yeah. how, when you went public, how many people were you? Oh God, <laughs> a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, several. A times. lot. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, as you grow and as your company grows, you know, from one, two, three to yeah. forty, a hundred, two hundred. 
What mistakes do you see with customer experience and the customers that you have? What, what mistakes do you see companies making? Yeah, I mean, I think most startups are really, really focused on their customers because they have a really good understanding that this is their lifeblood. I think as you grow and you start adding people and you start adding layers, you can get really disconnected from the customers. And this is what we find with our Fortune 500 and Global 2000 you know, companies. They get really large and they may not really understand you know, the pain points that their customers are having and, and sort of new needs that the customers have. And so, I mean, even in a company our size, which, you know, compared to our customers is quite small, I, I saw us getting farther away from customers just as you grow. It's almost a natural tendency. So you have to fight to keep that connectedness like you had when you were like a 10-person startup. Yeah. I know we were talking a little earlier and you were talking about how so many managers are so far distant mm -hmm. from any problem that happens in the organization, from any customer service. How do you keep your eye on the ball at all times so that you're constantly innovating? Yeah, I mean, I think this is our proposition as a company is that we want to wire the entire organization from the front line all the way to the CEO with the information that's relevant to their role so they have the word of the customer in their ears. One of our um, applications is on the, you know, uh, the phone. We'll just have like random 10 um, uh, feedback comments from customers that CEOs can scroll through when they're getting out of the shower in the morning. And it's amazing how just hearing from a few customers Customers and being able to like um, crystallize, not just see numbers or whatever, but to really understand the words of the customers, how powerful it can be in helping to inform decision making. Yeah, um, I know with myself and you know the company that I run, um, just staying at that forefront and having me actually jump in and manage customer experience, you know, customer tickets, customer this, talking with customers is so crucial to me and my organization. I've found some of the greatest um, lessons um, was when I jump in on those tickets. I remember uh, it, this was about two weeks ago. I had not actually gotten a customer service ticket for my company in probably like three or four months. I oh. hadn't even looked at it. And I jumped in there and literally six of probably like 30 support tickets were all about the exact same thing. And it had never occurred to me that that was an issue or was a problem. And I feel so many CEOs or founders, you know, when you start a company, you have this grand vision of starting something and you go off and you start building it and then you get, you work so hard on that. And then once a customer comes in the door, you forget about them. And it's like, no, no, I already got them. And I, it's such a big mistake that so many people, like you have worked so hard, you paid so much time, energy, and potentially even money to get them there. Why are you not treating them like gold the entire time? That day was a huge wake-up call for me yeah. in the fact that I really need to be like in there every single day, at least fielding a couple things. And it kind of woke me up to that and, you know. That's super impressive because one of our best practices um, is for senior management and the C-suite to have regular contact one way or another with their customers and different companies do it different ways. I do remember one company that I won't, I won't mention the name of, but, um, you know, 
there were people in the C-suite who said, there's no way I'm going to call. The, the, the practice was they were going to pick up the phone and call customers yeah. like for 30 minutes a quarter, 30 minutes a quarter. That's and, pretty rough. And That's hard. <laughs> was, there were people that were Struggle really objecting real. to it. And one person needed like two days of coaching before he would actually get on the phone and start calling. Once they did it, they had the same experience that you did, where like, oh, I had no idea. This is so helpful. And you know, uh, part of the reason that people sometimes resist customer experience is you have that image of the really angry, pissed off customer, and you don't want to deal with it. Um, but customers are often incredibly grateful that you're listening. Um, and, I, yeah. and I think that ultimately what customers crave most of all is not just it's not this idea of always having the perfect experience. <coughs> But it's the idea of they're being heard. When yeah. stuff isn't working, you're trying to correct it. When they have an idea, you're listening to it, and they can feel it in that relationship. And so, um, if they get you get a call from a senior person in the company, you feel great. You're you're being heard, right? That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, you would also be shocked at how many times when you're actually hopping on with your customers, how many times things are not working at all, and <laughs> you literally. I mean, if you're not a little embarrassed of your product, I mean, you've waited too long. So I'm super embarrassed of my product at times. But it's really astounding to me that people like will hop on the phone and they see this issue, they see this problem, and how patient they are with you. Mm -hmm. And if you give them the time of day and really help them, uh, I mean, even some of our paid customers who are paying you know, a lot of money for the product, they're hopping on the phone, they're being like, okay, you're doing great, we love this product. We, I know there's these 400 issues, but we're okay with that. Thank you so much for taking five minutes of yeah. your day to be with me. What, what are other like, common mistakes that you find organizations making? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I think one of the worst ones, um, or, or let, me, let me flip it and say a yeah. best practice. Okay. One of the best practices is to let like um, give people wide berth in your organization to start working on customer experience problems and to solve them. I think what you find in large organizations is a lot of times they'll like limit like the call center person to very narrow scripts and very narrow tools. And I don't know about you, but I am like not a nice person when I get on the phone with one of these call center people who's reading from a script that is not solving my problem. And it's a lousy job for those people as well. So what we found in our organizations is the more you give, um, you push decision making down to the front line, the more you give frontline people the, the power to decide what they're going to do in situations, uh, the happier the customer is, the happier the employee is, and the costs don't go up. Um, so one of the fears is we can't like you know push these decisions down because crazy things will happen. But in fact, a lot of frontline people have some pretty smart ideas about how to fix problems. I've got tons of stories about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I war stories. An entrepreneur launches a startup because she was personally frustrated with her bank. Hi, it's Mike Stiles, and this is Meet the Startups for the week of September 30th, brought to you by Oracle for Startups. Ever get frustrated? It could be the start of something big. Arushi Joshi was frustrated. She lived overseas and couldn't do even the most mundane of banking transactions remotely. It was a constant hassle. Even today, she's still locked out of one of her accounts. So she started AtCash that deals in remote trust and identity solutions. It simplifies all kinds of transactions, like closing a home, getting something notarized, opening an account, all digitally and remotely. 
The technology addresses many different use cases, but getting it done requires a cloud with powerful and elastic compute and storage at a startup price. Arushi says running on Oracle Cloud and Oracle Blockchain gives her the infrastructure she needs. Plus, she has an enterprise partner for strategic insight and support. Now, the world has a few less hassles. Meet the startups asked at Cash founder Arushi Joshi what kind of businesses are first to adopt identity and trust solutions. Well, the benefits are endless. Whether it is imagining an online closing process done entirely remotely or online, or attesting or notarizing documents, or even digitally onboarding customers. This technology can be applied to any use case where you need to use audiovisual technology or have evidence for customer consent. Not having enough help and computing power can give your startup a headache. Take a look at Oracle's startup program at oracle.com slash startup. Um, now, I, I was actually going to ask you a little bit about a mistake that you've made in customer experience and how you thought was potentially the right direction mm -hmm. and you flipped later on. Are there any situations like that? I'm putting her totally yeah. on the spot. This was not. Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, the biggest, the biggest one is, is really to ignore problems and, um, and not to engage with it. And we all have, but in terms of us personally or, or our customers, the, the, which one are you talking about? More, more yourself and yeah. like things that you've done that you're like, oh, I would have loved to fix that. Or you came back and like, for example, um, you know, one that comes to myself was me yeah. not jumping into support tickets. That was one big problem what we had. Um, another big problem that I've had in the past with customer experience is sort of not ignoring issues and just being like, oh, that's the way it is. Yeah. Or that's, that's how the product is or that's how this is. But it starts to really shine in your organization that if you start ignoring issues, that other issues. Yeah will just compound and compound and get worse and worse and worse. So I, I suggest to really... I, so I think for us, um, I think one of the tensions for most um, entrepreneurs is how do you stay true to your North Star? And our North Star is customer experience. And then how do you um, also are, you know, stay aware of new trends, new technologies? And so I'd say some of the mistakes that we've made, I think most of which we've corrected, is you know, where maybe we got so narrowly focused on defining our customer experience North Star that we ignored some new technology um, that had an application in customer experience because there are so many new technologies now that customers are using to communicate and so many technologies that they're using to interact and so you know I think that now we're doing a fantastic job of really trying to pull in all those signals but but there was also a time early on when we were much smaller and had far fewer resources, and then you think about this North Star, and you're like, we, we, we don't have the resources to go after that. That's like off. That's a little bit of a tangent. But so yeah. figuring out that tension between staying true to what you are and then also opening it up wide enough to bring in, to, to decide which you know, new technology and which new paths to explore. And I think keeping in touch with customers during that dialogue um, is it will help you stay true to your mission better than anything else. Not listening to the hype in Silicon Valley, but listening to your customers yeah how how do you suggest I mean there's a fine line between staying true to your customers and you know 
improving your bottom line. And I know a lot of us in the room have accepted investor capital mm -hmm. and we're expected to produce a return yeah. and move forward. And, you know, you see the, all these companies that, you know, get $100 million and they're expected to turn $100 million into a couple billion dollars. Yep. So how do you manage that line in so, an organization? You know, the way I, 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 I talk about this now is imagine you go into a store, your spouse calls you and asks you to buy something that you know nothing about. What, what if your you know, spouse calls you and asks you to buy a vacuum cleaner? Yeah. What are the chances that you're not going to pick up your phone, look online, look at ratings and reviews, and buy based on ratings and reviews? Those ratings and reviews right. are simply collected, you know, aggregate customer experience. So your customer experience is absolutely your brand in this day and age in a way that it wasn't even when we started this company. Yeah. Um, and I think the power of your brand is completely linked to the kind of customer experience. So you ignore it um, or underinvest in it, at, you know, at your peril in, in today's day and age. Yeah, and I think you're seeing that in the stock market and a few other places on companies that haven't necessarily invested and they've been really, really focused so much on their bottom line and returning that money to investors. Um, I, I totally agree on, you know, focus on your customer, truly, truly help your customer out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we have a, this big sign in our office that says radical help. And we, we love helping our customers and helping other people. And it's something that's core in my life and that has really, really helped me is the more you help people and genuinely help other people without like wanting something in return. Most of our customer service, I'd say 95, 98% of our customer service is for a free product. Well, we don't make any money on it. Yeah. And the other 3% makes up all the difference in all these customer support tickets. So really, really help people out and try and, you know, be the best at helping them to their core, get what they need with your product. Any, any last thoughts or, you know, advice you'd give entrepreneurs in this room for creating the best customer experience possible? Yeah, I, I think, um, like I mentioned it before, but I think the biggest challenge is if you guys have amazing success, and I hope you all do, and you start to grow exponentially, it is amazing how fast you can lose touch with these customers as you hire middle management and things like that. So don't do it. You know, put in place systems, mechanisms, software that will help you, you know, stay as connected as you are right now. Because it is, um, it's, it's, it's really perilous in this day and age to lose touch with the people who are ultimately buying your product. You guys, let's give her a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date with all things Startup Grind, visit us at startupgrind.com or join us at any event in a city near you. Until next time, chase the vision and keep hustling.